up next on Walking by Faith. But the Bible says God does not want you to be that type of a Christian. He wants you to be a Christian where they can convict you of a felony, that you have got possession of the gospel with intent to distribute, right? That's the kind of Christian. He said, this is the wonderful message God has given us to tell others. welcome you to Walking by Faith. Thanks for being with us today. We're talking about who you are in Christ. And this may be the most important revelation that anyone can get as a believer. Over 130 times in the Bible, it talks about who you are in Christ, in Him, in whom, in the Beloved. And literally, this is talking about what belongs to you as a Christian. Because once you become a Christian, you are united with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. When we understand who we are, what God has done for us in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it literally changes our life. It's in Romans 5 where it says that when we understand this, that we're going to reign as kings in life through the one, Jesus Christ. I know that this message today is going to energize your faith. In fact, it says in Philemon 1, 6, that as we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ, that our faith becomes energized. It produces results. So would you come with me as we go into this message right as it begins? So here we go. I guess this is part number seven, they tell me. I was thinking about it, you know, who you are in Christ. Uh, we could preach on this like a hundred weeks in a row. I mean, this is just all through the New Testament. But this is part number seven. So we're going to jump right in in Philemon, verse 6. It's one, just one chapter. Philemon is in the New Testament right before the book of Hebrews, kind of at the end of your Bible. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual or powerful or produce results. If you're looking at your Christian life and thinking, I'm glad I'm going to heaven, I'm glad I'm forgiven, but that's about all that there seems to be. My, there, nothing else is changing. The Bible is telling us here, this is how your faith can make not just a difference in your life, but it will change circumstances around you. It will become powerful and produce results. It will become effectual by the acknowledging. Now notice, this is something we do. So often we think God is going to do everything. But this is telling us we have a part. We need to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. Now notice again, every good thing. How many are there? Well, there's 130 verses that talk about who you are in Christ, in Him, in whom, in the Beloved, talking about what God has done for us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It says you need to acknowledge them. It's in the Amplified translation that it says you need precise knowledge. You need to know because there's no ignorant faith. You can't believe God for something you don't know about. You can't energize your faith for something you don't know about. And when it talks here about in Christ, in Christ is what happens when you receive Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior. God puts you in Christ, and everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection is put on your account. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In 1 John chapter 3, it talks about you become that new creation. It says that his seed or his nature abides in you. The Living Bible says you become a new person on the inside. God puts his nature, his life, his seed on the inside of you. You're not the same person you used to be. There's something different on the inside. Remember, you're in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're seated together with him. It says you're raised up together and made us be, to be seated together in heavenly places in Christ. So his victory is your victory. His blessing, your blessing. In fact, the Bible, when we talk about his victory, the Bible says that he disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So he defeated the enemy. Now, the Romans, when they heard this, the people that Paul was directly writing to, people in the Roman Empire, when they heard about a triumph, they knew exactly what Paul was talking about. Once or twice in a person's lifetime, a Roman general would have a triumph. There were, there were actually seven different criteria that, it had, that the battle had to fulfill, right? But when they had a triumph and a total, absolute victory over the enemy, the general would be brought back. The enemies, by the way, the, the, the upper echelon of the enemies would be brought back, and they would literally be dragged through downtown Rome in a parade, publicly displayed, naked and defeated. And listen, the Bible says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing. Public spectacle, triumphing. They knew what a triumph was, right? Because in Rome, when there was a triumph, the city went crazy. They, they were there for the parade. They saw the victor. They saw the defeated foe. And what this is telling us is that Jesus took Satan and demon power, and he stripped them of their authority, and he dragged them through downtown eternity and showed them to be defeated, showed them that any power that the devil had left was simply a farce, that he was defeated. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus brought them to naught brought them down to zero. Now notice, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You say, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says you're seated with him far above all principality, power, might, dominion. Well, you see, what that means is you don't start from a place of defeat. You start from a place of victory. Somebody says to me, how are you doing? You know, I'll this way. I say to somebody, how are you doing? They say, well, pretty good under the circumstances. And my thought is, well, why are you under them? Because you ought to be on top of them. See? Because you are seated together with him in heavenly places. All right? You're not the depressed trying to get some joy. You're the joyful the devil is trying to depress. All right? You start from the place of victory. All right? You're not the hopeless looking for some hope. 
You're in Christ and you have the blessed hope. And the devil's just trying to get you discouraged. All right? We start from the place of victory. And we are celebrating that victory. In fact, when the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, wrote, if you look at the number of books, almost half of the books in the New Testament, when he thought about himself, he didn't think of himself as a scholar, as a Jew, as an educated person, or as a wealthy person. This is what he said about himself, a man in Christ, a man in Christ. When he thought about himself, he thought the most important thing, the thing in me that supersedes anything in the natural, anything that's ever been done to me, anything I've ever done, is the fact that I am a man in Christ. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, that through death he might bring to naught, that means zero, and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus brought him to naught. You know, the devil's cruising around. He's got 90% power. And Jesus brought him down to 80, 60, 40, 20, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He brought him to zero. He brought him to zero. He brought him to naught, all right? Jesus came for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want you to listen to Ephesians 3.10. Now, to the intent that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places. So it's going to be made known by the church. God's victory through Christ is to be made known by the church. The building's not the church. We're the church, right? We are the church. And God wants us to demonstrate to Satan and demons the victory that Jesus purchased for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. The first time the church is mentioned in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells them, he said, I give you authority, right? And he says to them, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, it is bound in heaven. Whatever you declare to be improper or unlawful on earth, it is also declared to be unlawful, improper in heaven. He gives authority to the church. When Jesus arose from the dead, that's what he said. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go you therefore, right? Now, the devil, again, Jesus defeated him. He had authority. He got it from Adam. Remember when Jesus was tempted, he takes him and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And this is what the devil said. He said, all this authority has been given to me. And I can give it to whosoever I will. He said that authority had been given to him. Who gave it? Well, look at Genesis 1.26. God said to Adam and Eve, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over everything that's on this earth. Satan came and he took Adam and Eve's authority, their dominion, and he took it. And he said, Jesus, I will give it to you if you'll just fall down and worship me. And, you know, that was what Jesus came to get. 
was that authority and dominion. But he said, I'm not going to get it by worshiping you. I'm going to get it by defeating you. That's how I'm going to get it. And he did just that. He brought the devil authority to zero. I said, it's sham authority. It's bogus, fictitious, fraudulent, phony, right? Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven and earth. Now you as believers, go. He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them. He triumphed over them in it. That is the cross. You know, when the early church went out and preached, you look in the book of Acts, every place they preached, they brought up an empty tomb. Jesus, victorious over death. Now, his resurrection shows that there is going to be a future resurrection. This is found in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep or who have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord. How many know Jesus is coming again? Every single New Testament author, no exceptions. Even if they only wrote one chapter, every one of them talks about the return of the Lord. Every author talks about Jesus' return, right? We say to you by the word of the Lord that we are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. We'll by no means proceed, go ahead of, or have an advantage over those who are asleep or who have died in Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There'll be a resurrection of the body. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is proof that sin, the penalty for sin is paid for, and that death is defeated. That was the good news that the, the apostles preached literally everywhere that they went, that there was total victory, that there is for believers, there is a parade, a victorious parade every day because you're redeemed, because you've been made righteous, because you're blessed together with Christ, you're victorious, you've been delivered. All right? Now, we're not praising God for something he's going to do. We're praising him for something that has already been done in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Now, don't get offended by this story, but let me tell you a little story. Right? This man and his wife, they go into a, a, a pet store. And as they walk in, right off to the side, there's a big cage with one of them McCall parrots in there, those talking parrots. And as they walk in, the parrot says to the man as they walk in, he says, hey, mister. And the, man, and the man says, what? And the parrot said, your wife is the ugliest woman I have ever seen. And the man goes, ah, I can't believe you said that. You just insulted me. And he runs over and he gets the manager. And he says, sir, he says, your parrot just insulted my wife. And the manager said, well, what did the parrot say? The parrot said that my wife was the most ugly woman he had ever seen. And the manager goes over there and he sticks his hands there. He grabs that parrot out of there. He slaps him across the beak. He pulls out some feathers. He throws him back in the cage. He says, now, if you ever, 
insult one of my customers again or their spouse. He said, I will pull all your feathers and cook you for dinner. That that couple, they walk around the store for a little while and then they're leaving. And the parrot, as they're about to leave, the parrot, as the man's going by, he says, hey, mister. And the guy goes, what? The parrot says, you know what? (laughs) Now, when the devil comes by, when the devil comes by your place, you just say, hey, devil. And he says, what? You say, devil, you know what? You have been defeated. You have been stripped of your authority. You are under the feet of the church. I am redeemed. I'm victorious. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away, and I know where you're going, devil. The Bible says in Revelation 20 and 10 that you're going to be thrown in the lake of fire, and you're going to be there forever and ever. Devil, you know what? I know what, devil. You know what, too. You just tell him. You just tell him. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus' blessing is your blessing. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ... You're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all these things are of God. Now in verse 19 of the same chapter, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message He has given us to tell others. Verse 20, so then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God was pleading through us, we implore you. Other translations say, we beg you in Christ's stead, in Jesus' place, be reconciled to God. Now, all that, all that he did for us, I want you to notice, it says it's the wonderful message that we have to tell others. And Paul is saying here, he said, we are pleading with you. He says, is, we, we are here in Jesus' place and we are begging you to be reconciled to God. I want you to think about this. When's the last time you begged somebody to get right with God? You know, in one of Jesus' parables, he says, you compel them to come in. When's the last time you were compelled? When is the last time you even compelled, asked somebody to come to church? You say, why should I get them in church? Because when they get where the Spirit of God is moving, they get hungry for God. That's why. They'll get hungry for God. Now, if you were to go with the narcotic squad in downtown Grand Rapids and spend a night... You know, you'll, get, you'll, you'll see some arrests, and they'll, you'll see people that they get with possession. They said, you know, if you've got crack cocaine about the size of your fingernail, you know, and they catch you, it's a misdemeanor, all right? But now, if you've got some crack cocaine about the size of a golf ball, you're going to get in trouble. 
because it's no longer a misdemeanor. It is felony possession, right? It is possession with intent to distribute, right? Now, unfortunately, a lot of Christians just have enough gospel for it to be a misdemeanor. You, you could not get convicted on possession with intent to distribute. You, you, you got enough for you. You know, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven and let the rest of the world go wherever it goes. Huh? You, you got enough for you. All right. But the Bible says God does not want you to be that type of a Christian. He wants you to be a Christian where they can convict you of a felony, that you have got possession of the gospel with intent to distribute. Right? That's the kind of Christian. He said, this is the wonderful message God has given us to tell others. He says, we beg you, we beg you in Christ's place. Be reconciled to God. Get right with God. God is waiting for you in op with open arms, and we are begging you. Be reconciled. When is the last time that you shared your faith? When is the last time that you said to somebody, please, listen. You, you don't need to keep going the way that you're going. God's not holding your sins against you. There is forgiveness for you. God wants to turn your life around. The Bible says he's prepared the good life for you. Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and that you can have it abundantly. When is the last time you compelled somebody to come with you to church? When is the last time? Are you a misdemeanor Christian or are you a Christian? That's a felony Christian that you've got possession with intent to distribute because that's what God wants you to be. A Christian with possession with intent to distribute. I think some of you, you just, you, you're kind of, you, you know, you got your vaccination, right? You just got a little dab of gospel, right? Just, just enough to kind of keep you immune from it really taking effect, all right? But, but God, again, he wants you full of gospel, and he wants you and I to be felony Christians that we've got gospel on the inside, enough gospel that we have got intent to distribute. And I want to encourage you, be a distributor, all right? Be somebody who's compelling people. Be somebody who's begging others. Get right with God. More than enough gospel for yourself. More than enough victory, anointing, peace, and grace. Carry the gospel with intent to distribute. Compel people to come in. All right. Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, or by being a good person, one translation says, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. It's in 1 Corinthians 1.29. It says that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to you wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification. Now, holiness is a result of being in right relationship with God. But, but literally, the Bible says that no one gets right with God by being a good person or by obeying rules and regulations. 
Nobody. In fact, in Isaiah 64, it says this. For we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Our best efforts, our best efforts are like filthy rags. How many of you realize that your only hope of being right with God is Jesus' blood? It's in Isaiah 65, and people say this. They say, keep to yourself. Don't come near me. I'm holier than you. And God says, these are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. Romans 3.20. By the works of the law, no one has ever been made right with God. And nobody ever will be. But so often we want to put it on ourselves. We want to earn salvation. But you and I can never earn our salvation. Ephesians 2 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. It's not because of what you did or didn't do. Least anyone should boast. There's just one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, if you've been watching today, and in your heart, there's something crying out for God. You say, I know that I'm not right with God. I know I'm away from the Lord, and I want to get right with God. Would you bow your head and pray this prayer with me from your heart? Some of you are going to come back to God. Others, you're coming for the first time to receive forgiveness, to receive the love that he has for you. Just pray this out loud from your heart. Just say, oh God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I receive him in my heart today by faith. He comes into my heart. Blood washes me from my sin. Makes me a new person on the inside. A part of your family. On my way to heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you're forgiven, you're right with God, you're on your way to heaven. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. I want to send you a book free of charge that I wrote. It's called Your New Life. It is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. All that you need to do is contact us. All the information is right there on your screen. And if this program is blessing you spiritually, helping you grow, would you please become a partner with us? Help us as we're taking the gospel to the nations of the world. Thank you. God bless you. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives across the world. We would love to hear from you. If you have a story about how God has used these broadcasts to touch your life, please email us at yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith. 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.